Thank you for joining us today at River City Church, a church living in love. If you have a prayer need, would like to speak to a pastor, or have questions about today's message, please email us at info at For more information or to give to the ministries of River City Church, please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com. We hope you are encouraged by today's message. God I've been waiting on that Sunday where summer hits us. Last week I was like, it's happening this week. It's this week. Offering went around, yes. You missed it. There's a fee for missing the offering bucket. I don't know if we shared that with you guys. Did front row get the offering basket? All right, so maybe let's pass it along. Um, next week, Jen, if you want to give the announcement again, hopefully everybody's back, or we can send emails. Will you guys cheer for our amazing children's pastor? So awesome. Heart for kids. Um, today, we're going to be spending some time finishing up living in love. Everyone say living in love. And so for some of you, you've heard a variation of this. Um, I preached it something similar about two years ago at Riverstone and possibly at Stonebridge because to me, this is the heart of Christianity. And it caps off this living in love, which we're really wanting you guys to kind of absorb as your own for what we're trying to do. And so it's about the temple. It hits some of our misconceptions. It highlights what I love about Christianity and why I want to be in ministry and what I love about you guys. And I think we're, we're really trucking along as a community in terms of like doing what I feel like the body of Christ is supposed to be doing. But today I hope you are challenged a little bit. Um, just to be honest, we live in this society, we talked about it two weeks in a row, where it's really easy to not, to not just um, be, a, be the church. It's just really easy to go to church. It's, it's what we were raised in. It's how we do it. You know? and I'll just throw this question out for you as we start. Um, do, you, do you go to church, or are you a part of the church? So I don't, I'm not necessarily looking for a response right now. Um, person that responds middle of sermon, and then I feel like a complete idiot. <laughs> I'm like, um, the question is, is church the thing that you go to, or is it the thing that you're a part of? And I think, I think the answer to that 
has everything to do with how you live out the gospel. Just to be honest. If the answer is the first one, then you're going to be really frustrated at people. Um, a lot of churches are going to disappoint you because people are disappointing. I think um, you're going to want more from the leaders in your church than they should actually give. You're, it's going to be easy to throw stones at something you just visit, right? You know? But if it's something that you're a part of, it's something that you start to defend. You know, When you see the weaknesses in your wife or spouse or kids, you don't highlight that to everyone. What is it? There's no weaknesses in our kids or my wife. <laughs> she is attractive. We didn't go to the tanning bed. We were at the beach all week, so we're not those guys. Yes. So, you know what I'm saying, though? The answer to that question, you know, is this your family? Yeah, our family are. We're all idiots. You protect them, though, right? Is this just a person you're visiting? You know, the guy you don't know that makes fun of you, it's not fun. You don't enjoy him. You won't choose to be around him. But the person in your family, you'll weather that storm, right? So today the question as we start is, is church something you go to or is it something you're a part of? And you live in a society where 95% of the people go to church, right? So today we're going to challenge that. Here's kind of the stages of how I've seen church as I've grown up. Um, grew up at the largest church in Georgia. I've told you guys this before, Mount Barron, central to north. And for me, church to start was a place to go to for possible fun. Um, when I was in service, it was definitely not fun. Nothing against them. It could have been anybody, anywhere. It was not enjoyable. But the youth group was like super fun. So I would go to be around other kids, hopefully find a girl, you know, and see where it goes. Go to camps, youth services, play basketball. The second phase was when I was a little older, church was not fun. I did not want to be there. It was a reminder. Kind of, if you come into the age of accountability, you kind of understand I am doing a bunch of things that are harming me and other people. So church was just this reminder of a place I didn't want to be. Carry on a little farther. Um, church in college was, was that me? That was not me. I don't have a phone on me. I'm not going to look at you. Church was what I did. Church was what I did to make sure that I passed because you had to go to 66% of the services in the chapels to receive a grade at Lee University. So it was just something I weathered, the storm, again, to get through. And then the first time I think church became like a consistent place of like hope for me, I made some really terrible decisions. I won't get into my testimony again. I'm start, I know I'm starting to bore most of you with my testimony. Shouldn't have been in college. You all know that. Uh, drug addiction passed, all that stuff. And I remember leaving Lee University, and there's this local church, which was the largest church in the denomination I was a part of. It was the first one in America in that denomination, too. And um, I remember one Sunday night, I'd made like a bunch of bad decisions, and I didn't really have any other place to go. I didn't do well with making friends at this point in my life because I just abused people and manipulated people and tried to extract what I could out of people. And so I didn't have anybody there for me when I really needed them. Family was there but I was maybe a little too insecure to share some of the real stuff happening. Um, I was really struggling, too. I mean, and nothing cool at this point. It wasn't like, yeah, I was like smoking crack and killing people. It was like just deep insecurity and just, just stuff that's not even cool to talk about. You know what I'm saying? So I showed up at this church, North Cleveland Church of God, at 6 p.m. at night for a service. And I sat in the back for like four five months 
until someone approached me. I, I went to church for four to five months and, and basically did life alone before I met Sarah because it was the first time for me. This is probably is the only option for me. If I do anything else, bad things are going to happen. And then the next season of my life, I started to plug in, get apart. I started to notice other Christians and feel like I can probably do what they're doing. you know. And I started to feel a little bit of a call. I wanted to help people, people who struggled like I did. So ministry became an option, went to seminary, um, met Sarah, became a youth pastor 10 years ago in, in the area, and loved preaching, and, and then went through a season where church for me was an opportunity for me to show my gifts. So it was the pedestal for me to show what God had called me to do, right? Um, I felt like I was called to do great things. I'll say the great myth or prophetic word many people carry is God has called you to do great things. Greater than other people, right? I'm set aside and set apart and better than others. And I believed that lie for a long time. I believed that I was going to be a better preacher. I was going to be a better leader. I was going to be a better Christian. I was going to be happier and really struggled and succeeded at it. And this is me and Sarah talked about this this week. I really succeeded at building a ministry in that kind of mindset. And it was just really unhealthy. A large youth ministry, really unhealthy. And... I was unhealthy, but people would brag about what I was doing, so it just kind of was swept under the rug. We grew quick, and, and then, again, you know my story. A few years ago, Sarah and I got so sick of ministry, we were like, we're either throwing in the towel on this, or we're going to really find out what the Lord wants people to do and how they're supposed to do it. Because I know that this giant mega model of churches where men are elevated and cathedrals are built is not what God's called us to do. And so we stepped out of that, went on a season of sabbatical, and learned again to, to follow and trust the voice of the Holy Spirit, even if it meant into something stupid. And a lot of people were telling us, you're stupid. You're handing over a lot of really secure things for insecurity. For unsecurity? Uncertainty? And we did that, and it proved to be the best decision ever. Um, and we knew at that point, God didn't call us to be mega church pastors. That was just what we weren't supposed to be. But we were called to be a part of a community where you look eye level with everyone. I'll overemphasize this for the rest of the time you're a part of our church. You're going to be like, this dude never shuts up about this. We're all equals under Christ. He's our head. He leads us. I'm not to be honored more than you. You're not to be honored more than me. Christ is to be honored above all. And if we can do that communally, if we can go after God like that, then we can become the body of Christ that he's called us to be. Because that's attractive, where everyone has a level playing ground. Where slave, poor, rich, athletic, super attractive, uh, digital Sherpa, all of it. Where all of us are on this level playing field, sharing the grace of Jesus. So historically, though, the church, and how we view it, is the place that houses the Spirit. Okay, So from the beginning, it became the house of the Spirit. And you read the Old Testament, and they would construct places around this holy place because that's where the spirit lived so the temple had everything to do what was inside of it and it was the spirit of God and only if you could go in there and so I want to share with you a passage from Ezekiel and you can or from Zechariah you can pull this up and this is just a quick snapshot and this is a kind of a dream that's given to a person Zerubbabel and Joshua two people are receiving this because historically with temples people want to destroy them Especially the temples of our God, the ones that were built for us. 
and for our God. People wanted to destroy them. And so people throughout history have been trying to rebuild them. And so all through the Old Testament, you see people rebuilding, getting torn down, finding scrolls, reading the word, we'll build the temple again, and then tearing down, and then built again. And so this is continued. And so this word is for, from Zechariah to these people to encourage them. You've looked around, and you've noticed that the strength that you have will not be able to do this temple. You've noticed that economically you won't be able to do it. You've noticed that power and might won't be able to do it, but but here's what you need to be encouraged by. He's trying to draw their attention back to kind of the supernatural resources that you have to tap into if you want to live for the Lord. And he says it's going to be by my spirit. So I want to read this passage to you. So he said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel and Joshua, but his name's not mentioned there. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord Almighty. And so today I just want to start and ask you guys, you know, have you been like me where you've been tempted to, to start trying to spread the gospel in a way that's maybe not biblical? Um, I, had a, I had an argument with somebody that is just a really good guy about the promotional model of church. And I wasn't even trying to argue. He, 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 he came at me because I told him, I don't feel like our job is to spend $100,000 on billboards and signs. And I don't feel like our job is to do that. I don't feel like our job is to make this look really pretty. I feel like our job is to build disciples and in that process, the people become beautiful. And this is just something people don't really understand, you know. And especially today in an age where we really overemphasize a central figurehead. We need our central figurehead, right? And even in evaluation of churches, people say, do you like the preacher? Does that make sense? Do you like, this is why I love letting Jordan speak and Sarah speak. Because we base sometimes even whole movements on one person. And it just, it rings true about the, the, the arguments that Paul is having with people. I'm of Paul. I'm of Apollos. And it not mattering. Because a church should typically be about the body. And so, um, but temples were a big deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go on a little bit of a, a rant. Maybe not in a bad way, but temples were a big deal in this age. And so I'm just going to give you some historical background. First century Christian in Priena. They were brought into a society where temples were a big deal, extremely big deal. And so there were temples everywhere. And we don't have a lot of temples today, but they would build temples, and it would take them hundreds of years to build them. So take, for example, Temple of Athena. And many of you heard me share this before. So the Temple of Athena is this, it was considered one of the seven wonders of the world at the time. And it was something that you'd pull up to it on the water, and you could see from miles away these giant columns that would go from just, just hundreds of feet and inside this temple would be a 20-foot statue of a gold-plated Athena. And outside of this temple, there'd be free food and there'd be medical care. And all these things that we really only relate to, to outreach in, in Christianity were available for people because to these people, when you saw this temple, it showed how awesome your God was. And so for Athena, people thought, this God must be important, right? Because one man actually would take... You know, these columns would be huge, and there'd be 10 feet columns that one man would spend 70 years of his life carving just one of the little pieces that goes in one of the links to build this whole temple, because temples were important. Imagine you were like a Christian girl or a Christian walking up to this with a friend, and, and the parents of this friend happened to worship Athena because of what Athena might offer, and asking the question, you know, why do you, why do you come here? Well, this is, this is how we... This is how we show we love our God. We give offerings to Athena, and Athena gives us stuff. And then imagine, just for a moment, 
first century Christians. Jesus has come. They've started communities. And this girl that was with the other girl now goes to visit a Christian community. This is like the great shift of all shifts. you got to say that really slowly because that could go, come across pretty badly. The great shifts of all shifts. So they go visit this Christian girl's temple, and it doesn't even make sense. They walk through the woods, through some trees, and they get to these two houses that have been built together because they needed a little more space. And they walk in these houses, and it smells of incense and myrrh because it seems... And you go in, and there's all these people sitting around. There's 25 people sitting around a space, a third of the size of this room. And the girl is like, I thought you were bringing me to your temple. Where's your temple? And the Christian girl said, well, this this is our temple. No, this building, this is your, no, the people are our temple. Because it says, I just want to share this with you, Acts 17, 24. If you guys want to open, you can, but I'm going to shoot through some scriptures. The God who made the world and everything in it is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in temples built by human hands. And I just had this image when I was reading this, just thinking about where we live, the Falcon Stadium, which is going to be probably close to $2 million by the time it's done. And I know we have people actually in our church that are doing construction for it, but the things that man can make, like it's, have you guys seen the fly-through video of the Atlanta Falcon Stadium? It's, it doesn't even look real what man can do. And then I think about the times when Noah has been in his bedroom, Noah's my son, and he walks over to me, and he spent an hour on a thing that really isn't anything out of Legos. And he's so extremely proud to show me. And, and I, you just pick out something about it to say because it just looks like all the other ones. If it, can you hear me? <laughs> Those are cool black ones, buddy, and the blue ones are great. And he's like, Daddy. And he can tell he spent forever. And I got this image of like, I feel like that's a little bit like us when we build a temple like Athena or... A Falcon Stadium, we walk up to God and we're like, see what we did? And he's like, that's pretty neat. That's cool, buddy. <laughs> and no, we're like, it's got a retracting dome. It's got the Oculus. It's going to be $200 million. The seats are going to be motion impact. And he's like, yeah, that's neat. I'm going to get back to my stuff. Not that God would ever do that because he wouldn't. But even like the best minds, you know, like, what we can craft with our minds. And I believe he's given us gifts in our minds and, and talents to do stuff. That's not going to accomplish anything for the Lord without the emphasizable thing. Because what's inside the temple is now what's important. So this great shift that happens is stop thinking of church as a place to go and think of it as a people. It's not a place to go. It is, okay, I get it. We're going to say, we're, gonna, we're not going to change that we say we're going to church. We're not going to be that community that's like, we're so farther along than you. But there is this understanding that he wants us to get that this building is not the church. It's these people. And so much so that he's taken this spirit that used to live in Old Testament temples, and he's transferred it now through Jesus at the cross, right? And the veil was torn. You remember that scripture? And when the veil is torn, that's representative of the spirit being accessible now by everyone, and not only that. Can you pull up the next passage for me? Not only is it accessible, but don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit's, spirit dwells in your midst? And can you go to 619? Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not of your own. 
So the shift happens where this has got to happen for you. Wherever you're from in Christianity, whatever background you have, that you are now, your body is now the temple of the Holy Spirit, which means, explaining this to our kids, they get it. Where does Jesus live? No, he lives in my stomach. Well, he lives more, it's hard to, you get it though. He's in you now. And not just metaphorically, not just I've gathered enough knowledge with my mind to know what to do. There's an actual spirit of God that is placed inside you and gives you the ability to do things that are outside of might and power only by his spirit. Does that make sense? It is an actual thing. And even more so before you get all high and mighty like I do and want to go start my own ministry to do this thing where I can become this. It only is super impactful when it's connected with the other temples, which is actually the temple. And so this is, this is amazing to me. This is baffling to me. That the collective group of people in here that have the Spirit of God in them, that is the temple. Inner, inner, going in and out, connecting. That's why I love that you read that scripture without me asking. The fruit of the Spirit is what? Think about what the Spirit does, you know? The Spirit does not give us power to fight our enemies and destroy ISIS and... And hate Obama. The Spirit did not design that. The Spirit designed this idea of us connecting so strongly that we would come together in such a way that people would walk by and see what we are and they would desire it and really want it without having to be beaten into it. Without having to be told, did you steal today? Do you know you're on your way to hell? That's not the design of the Spirit. The Spirit, he draws to himself. And this is the craziest thing. He's now the statue, but not a statue inside of you and here it gets even more touchy back to living in love when there is strife between brother and sister or resentment or bitterness or I'll just be away from community for a while the spirit can't function as it was purposed to function see the spirit is the unifying thing I'll even say this if there's division in your heart or hate or anger in your heart towards someone the spirit can't work through you so super extreme Pentecostal person that needs to be noticed for their spiritual gift but hates 11 people on the way, please stop trying to be used by the Spirit. He wants to sit you down. He wants to take your Lego structure. He wants to show you how to build something that's actually applicable and helpful for the body of Christ. Was that too stern? Because this is, this is what I came all in for. What I came all in for and what I gave my life to do was to help build a community that's a temple. I don't want to build an empire. I don't want to be a part of a group that builds an empire. I don't want an emphasizable man that we can say, but did you hear him say that? And everybody's talk about that. I don't, want to, I don't even want to have the, this, the most beautiful outreach program in the world that's transferable. I want to be a group of people who in Smyrna follow the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit so much so that people are healed. You know, the cool thing about a temple of Athena is you go and you receive medical, you receive food, you receive healing, you receive all this stuff for free at Temple of Athena. The thing about the New Testament temple is all of that's accessible. You can receive healing, you can receive identity, you can receive hope in the body of Christ, so much so that I'm going to use some volunteers. I'm sorry. This is just the best picture of this. You guys are all right here. Can you just stand and come up here? Sarah's like, I'm never coming back. I hope you like this lesson. <laughs> you care, Sarah? <laughs> Amelia, I got to get you too. So you've probably seen me do this before, but there's not a better way. Can you guys stand in like a square? So, so we invite people to church, right? Come to our church. But anywhere that 
two or more of us are gathered, and anybody that comes in the midst of it, right? Anybody, they are at church, right? Because this is church, and the Holy Spirit dwells in this midst. And so these relationships have to be strong and for the Lord, and they have to love one another so much so that when she sees her faults, they're already forgiven because this is how people see our God. So when you're upset at that person, or you've been to the church that's got the idiot doing the idiot thing, and all you've talked about for the week was that idiot at that church, you've not represented the body of Christ correctly. In this church, these have to be strong because this is what people see. Who cares about this? Thank you guys so much. Does that make sense? And so I just want to crank through a couple passages for you guys. And the beautiful thing about it is, and you'll read this in, in, in 1 Peter in just a second. Christ is called um, the cornerstone, right? The cornerstone. The only foundation to build upon, okay? The only foundation to build the church upon is Christ. And what is Christ? We've talked about him for two weeks. Who is Christ? Who did he say, go do likewise? Last week we talked about it. He said, go and do likewise after he washed people's feet and he told them to love one another. And so Christ is the cornerstone, but let me just, let me read these to you. Isaiah 51.1 says, listen to me, you who pursue righteousness and who seek the Lord. Look to the rock from which you were cut and to the quarry from which you were hewn. This imagery that you yourself are, think of yourself right now. In your mind, instantly turn yourself into a stone in the seat, right? You're a stone in the seat and you are cut from a rock and accepted through Christ as the cornerstone to be a stone added to what he's constructing. Can you go to 1 Peter 2, 1 through 10? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit and hypocrisy, envy and slander and every kind of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. And here it comes. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to him. You also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in Scripture it says, See, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. And a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy... But now you have to receive mercy. And just to clarify, this stone that people trip over is this is coming out in a time where magnificence was how you showed Jesus or, or your God. And so he's, he's coming in, riding on a donkey, explaining to people that I'm coming to serve you. And so people were tripping over that because they still wanted to earn. They still wanted to work. People still wanted to do what they needed to do for God. And he's saying, you're going to have to slow down or you're going to stumble over this grace. It's not going to work for you. This is a new message for a new kind of temple that I'm building. This is not a message to build and construct a temple. This is a message that builds people. And the only way to do that is through Jesus Christ as the cornerstone. So the only entrance into it. And I'll just say this. I'm sorry for ranting. 
the doorway into this temple is complete selflessness. The doorway in, which means you have to be emptied of self, which means you have to have an experience with Jesus. And in that temple, then you can function. If you enter the temple wanting what's yours, think about it. There's stones and temples are in a specific place to make the temple beautiful. Right? And there's different stones, and there's different people here. And I don't want to go on a rant here either, but many of you, you know, you feel like the only way to maybe spread the gospel is to preach. That's just a lie. You know, there are some parts of the temple that will be seen. There's some parts that will be up here. And then there's some like Veronica and Peter. Who, Peter's in here maybe somewhere over there, back there. And, and their whole family who they don't want, they don't even like, he doesn't like what I'm doing right now. He hates that I'm doing this. Who's the most selfless family I know who would do anything for anybody. Here, and then there's people like Chad, Angel, who, who take people into his home off the street, like, come live with me. I'm like, what? Just gonna go, okay. And then there's other people. And, but this is the thing, you know, the foundation is Jesus, and these stones are in their place, and some might be in the back and might not be seen, but you can still live to the fullest extent of what God's called you to do, and you'll actually love it. Does that make sense? But the trick is understanding that you actually have a place in the temple. Listen, just think about it. Like, ah. Help me to get this across. We don't need a bunch of stones sitting in seats listening to another stone. Does that make sense? We form this body that's more than a visitation on Sundays. And you're only robbing yourself if it's less than that. And you'll always be dissatisfied and you'll always be upset with people. Because you were intended to be a part of it, everyone. And he's placed in each of us something specific that this time frame and this area needs. Unless he made a mistake about where he created you, when he created you. And so when your light comes on, he has something waiting on you. And the entrance is selflessness, and the body is waiting on you. And we're all idiots, right? That's why we're standing on Christ as the cornerstone. Or that over there, or under, or the foundation in some parts of scripture. You're all this stone, think about it, that he's been chiseling on. Your whole life creating you. It starts as a rock. And many of you feel like a rock. And this chisel for 70 years, this man's life literally happened. And then after 70 years, it's ready to not be put on a pedestal for everybody. Look at that piece of stone. Isn't that beautiful? Look at that temple. You forget the stone and you see the temple in its right, right place, right? So I just want to challenge you today. What, what time is it right now, Sarah? Got about an hour left. <laughs> Just kidding. The first century Christians really got this. And I love this example because it was really the vehicle to spreading the gospel at first. As simple as it is, there was no like marketing. They didn't find the sharpest guy to do it. They, you know, even the guys we admire in, in, in scripture weren't typically like attractive. And so the way that they did it is this new breed of, of, of human called a Christian they had to be immersed into the society that they were in, which was a class system. And in a class system, there were important people and unimportant people. There's really class systems everywhere, right? Underwritten rules about who's important and who's not. In this society, it's actual. So there were things called Epicureans, Decurians, Freeborns, Free, Slaves, and it was in that order. And so literally, it was so important that if you were ever at a meal or a feast and one of the top, one of their slaves got out of line to eat they could have them killed on spot. They could say, this person 
should not have done this. I'm sorry that he jumped in front of you, freeborn. Please take him outside and, and cut his throat. That's no big deal to me, all right? That would have just been something that was natural because you would never jump out of a class system because, and that was how it worked, when you showed up at a feast. And I love that it was feasts that spread the gospel, as simple as what anybody can do. We can sit and look at each other and eat. Anybody can do that. And I love that that's how it started because they would go to these meals and the Epicureans would eat first. And then when they were done, the Decurians, and then the freeboards, and then the free, and then the slave. And sometimes there wasn't even stuff left for the slave. But what started happening when Christians were introduced into this societal framework is you would go to a feast, and all of a sudden is not only are they eating out of order, and not only is the Epicurean serving the slave, which would completely destroy your whole psyche. Then after the meal, the freeborn or the Epicurean would walk over to the slave and wash their feet. And just these acts of how to be in society together changed a nation, destroyed a class system, and set the foundation for why we're even in this room. And so today, we're built on the back of not people who, who built these massive cathedrals and look at these cathedrals, who it's really just Legos to God. Just good job, buddy. Super good job. Oh, it's polished. It's big. It's got a big room and lights in it. Yay! You've misunderstood the point, church. The people are now the temple. The people, and each is a living stone. So the questions I think we should ask today, I think the, the reality is you're all temple builders. You know? So maybe you can, and we don't experience this a lot here. We don't have a lot of people throwing stones, no pun, at us. I think we have a really loving community. But it's, it's not our job to do it all. You know, it's not Jen's job to do it all. It's this communal effort of, you guys are part of the temple building. And is the temple trying to be destroyed today? I think the temple is being secretly destroyed, and we don't even know it. I think the te temple is being transferred back into what it was before. We're trying to build temples of Athena when God's asking us to build these huts. You know, and the small church is being born again. And, and, and things are happening. You know, we were talking about this week how... A lot of people wouldn't even go to a small church, and some of the smallest churches are doing some of the best stuff, the most heartfelt in the community stuff. But we'll only go to the ones that we've heard of, you know? Like my whole life, I only went to the biggest church in the area. Mount Perrin, North Cleveland, then I was youth pastors of big things, because that's just better, right? Bigger's better, you know? Supersize it. It's way better. It's got to be better. It's healthy, right? McDonald's is healthy, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I'm accurate on that. And so it's a super large church. So here's my, here's my challenge to you today. I just want to ask you to pray over some things. I don't want us to appear to be what the Temple of Athena is like. So if you can show the, the modern-day Temple of Athena, and I know some of you have seen this before. So this was the building that showed the magnificence of this God who was the best God, right? Like Athena. This was Athena's temple, and this is Athena today. And it's relics, and it's toppled and there's nothing to it because it was a building but spiritual imagery there's a way in which we can look like this there's a way in which we present this to a society and I think for me the way is when it becomes about something other than Jesus I think a really clear way is feeling like you're better than everyone and God's called you to do something and I think showing up at a church plant, waiting for someone to put you in leadership, you know, I need to be leader now, you know, like I have, I've had that conversation like 15 times, like 
Are you, are you ready to serve like Jesus? Because that's leadership. So the way I think we don't become this is to not fall in love with the exteriors. So I just want like I want to group like repentance, and I, it's more me than you guys. I, but for us to do what He's called us to do in Smyrna, it can't be about exteriors. It can't be about programs. It can't be about attractiveness. It can't be about how trendy our programs are. That that. It can't be about any of that. It's got to be about this Jesus that lives in the midst of us, that when someone bumps into any of us, they experience him. If it's not that, then it's not on his foundation, and it's really easy to not be that. Does it make sense? And so I'm going I'm to lead you in a couple prayers in a moment. Here's a way to not be it. Here's a way to not be a destroyed temple to this society today as temple builders. Know your ID. So here's your question. Are you a stone right now being beautifully crafted? Are you, are you accepted already as his, in his building, and is he crafting you? Is that a realization you live by? That's a foundational one. Do you believe you're his and that your idea is settled, you're a child of God, that all, of your, all that stuff, sin's forgiven, you have purpose playing your part, do you believe that so much so that you can settle in that identity? That's, that's one way to be the temple. Another way is to... Recognize that he's got to be the cornerstone. Another way is death to the superstar Christianity. I don't know why I wrote it like that. Death to superstar Christianity. That's America right now. We all want a superstar. Death to superstar Christianity means more disciples are going to be made. And less spectators. Superstars create spectators. Superstars, even in Christianity. Tell me a, a super famous person. There are spectators gathered around them. We should blend in. It's, this could be, people should walk in this church and not really know for sure who the pastor is right off the bat. They really should. It's, and I love that people are like, you're the pastor? Yeah. Because the body of Christ, that's the only way we take the gospel. Death to superstar syndrome. Death to empire building. This is the hardest thing. And I know friends of mine are in this service right now who are church planning as well. And I know if, if maybe they don't struggle with it. I struggle with this. this. This is the thing about superstar Christianity and empire building. It's easy to say what I just said. I totally struggle with both. It's a real thing that I have to look at and say, I really do struggle with this. This is a real thing. Empire building. Yeah, I'm, initial instinct, I'd love it if we grew to like 400 by two months from now. You know, if it's the right way, you know. Make sure you say that. But you have, to, you have to put those things to death. And then what's left is him leading you. And here, here you go. I'm going I'm to finish up. I can, can see the screen. You've got to step into temple building. So I want you to just close your eyes with me. And we're just going to pretend like you believe that you're his. And we're going we're gonna to pretend. We're not going to pretend. You're going to believe you're his. I'm going to just pray that. Jesus, there be solid truth that speaks into hearts right now that says I am a child of God and I'm a part of the temple and in that framework you're going to ask these questions how do I fit into the temple how do I fit into this temple and if you're a visitor how do you fit into temple global or your church and we're going to ask God that you just all the, all the lone wolves, you know, I just pray for people to settle into communities 
that you would just cleanse our society, our church society of lone wolves that are searching for an experience because they're only going to always be upset. They're only going to always be frustrated with somebody. And just picture these like stones traveling from church to church and sitting in a different pew with a stone in that pew and then a different pew and God's just waiting on someone to immerse themselves into the ugly that is community and to say, I'll be a part, you know. So everyone in this room, God, if there is the lone ranger, you know, rogue, I'll do it on my own. I pray that you would cleanse that mindset and show us that that's, that's actually not even biblical. That you've created us to be a part of this body that you called the church and the temple that would be the place and be the vehicle that helps people receive you. So if you guys would stand with me to your feet. I just pray, Father, right now that the Holy Spirit would be seen as he is, as she is. That you would remove all of the tacky, all of the crazy, all of the people who draw attention to themselves. And that we would see truly right now your spirit. And that we would invite your spirit to live inside of us. There's somebody even in this room that's never actually done that. It's, it's been head knowledge and he wants it to transfer to actual an indwelling of his spirit, which is completely biblical. Matthew, at the end of Matthew in, in Acts, it talks about, I'm giving you this helper to live inside of you and it's gonna be hard to do life without that inside of you because it's the supernatural resource that gives you grace and gives you peace and helps you turn the other cheek and helps you have resolve and helps you not be self selfish so we just ask for that to come inside God and we pray for your fruit to cover everyone in this room and then on top of that we ask for your gifts God so that we can build the body we want all of it God we want all that's in scripture we're not going to pretend like it's gone now it's there so unleash all of it God in such a way that we're built this temple help us be temple builders not kingdom and not empire builders. So we just invite you today. Give, give, the, give the Holy Spirit some room to work. And all that means for you that has never experienced somebody leading like this before. It's just invite. You just say, I invite you to kind of go as you'd like. God, speak to my heart, my mind. You have these moments. Just for the next few. Thank you again for joining us today, and please visit our website at rivercitysmyrna.com.